Hi and welcome to another one of the Branch Online Sermons. We're continuing today our series looking at what it means to be God's church. If you've been attending church for many years, you'll probably have developed the habit of every Sunday trundling off to church to meet God's people and worship God. But why do we do it? And is that really important? More than any other question about the church, COVID has raised the question of why we gather. For months, we couldn't gather for good public health reasons. And while at first that was a bit of a shock, I think for some of us, if we're honest, it was a kind of pleasant relief. It was so easy not to have to go to church, not to have to meet together. It was so peaceful to be able to just take your time and sit at home and engage with the sermon when you wanted or when you could. And that experience, that pleasantness, if you like, has raised many questions about the church. Why do we make the effort to get out of our pyjamas and drive all the way to church to meet every week? Is that really necessary? Can't we achieve the same things in other ways? Why do we do that when, if I stay at home, I can listen to the sermon in my own time without the distractions of people getting up and down or people walking past the windows? Why, uh, why do we gather when at home we can have a lovely time together as a family? Why do we gather when the kids just find it easier to play with toys while we watch the sermon or when we could just wait until they're in bed before we put the sermon on? Or when I don't have to stress about them playing up and disturbing other people? Why do we gather when, for those of us who are introverts, it's actually easier not to? We can have our peace and quiet and engage meaningfully with God on our own terms and still be fed with God's word. More than any other question, COVID has raised the question of why we gather as a church and whether that's really important. Do we have to gather? Is it essential? Now, as we go this morning, we'll be looking at a couple of different Bible passages uh, and you might want to go back and think about some of them later. Uh, but the place that we'll start is Deuteronomy 4, verse 10 to 14, and Hebrews 12, 18 to 24, and Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, until the end of that chapter. So if you haven't read those, you might like to pause the video and read them now. I guess the first thing to say about the church from the Bible is that gathering is not just something that Christians have ended up doing and that we could just as well do without, but gathering is one of the most foundational things about the church. The word church really just means something like gathering. A better English word than church is really something like congregation because it carries that sense that at the heart of the identity of this group is the idea that it regularly congregates or gathers together. The word church has its roots in Greek democracy. It's a word that existed before the New Testament. And that word often referred to an assembly, say, of citizens that would meet regularly to make decisions. So in Athens, they would meet 30 to 40 times a year to make decisions for the city. The New Testament term church is also related to a term in the Old Testament that described the people of Israel in assembly or in congregation before God. One of the most famous 
gatherings or congregations in the Old Testament is at Mount Sinai, where God gathered the people after he brought them out of Egypt. We read about that just before in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses was instructed by God to gather the people so they could hear God's words, so they could hear God speak to them. And that gathering of the whole of Israel before God is called an assembly, or in the Greek version of the Old Testament, it's called a church. The idea of the church being gathered around God in his presence is also picked up in the New Testament, and in particular in Hebrews 12, the other passage that we read. Pastor Steve looked at Hebrews 12 with us a couple of weeks ago, but in that passage there's a comparison between the gathering or church at Mount Sinai, mentioned in Deuteronomy 4, a comparison between that and the gathering or church of all God's holy people in heaven gathered right now together around the throne of God in Jesus. According to Hebrews 12, there's a sense in which all Christians all over the world are already now gathered around the throne of God through the Holy Spirit. Uh, wherever you are and wherever you go, if you trust in Jesus, if you belong to him, then you are gathered permanently with every other believer around the throne of God. But although that is an incredible idea, there's also something kind of incomplete about it. That is, we're gathered spiritually around the throne of God, but we're not yet gathered physically. Often we're scattered all over the place, in different countries or different places, and even in different times through history. And so the New Testament says that we're waiting for a physical gathering of all God's people. We're gathered spiritually, but not yet physically. And as we wait for that, God has given us a kind of important physical gathering to preempt that or anticipate that. God has given us the local church. That is, the local church is a group of people who regularly gather in person around God and his word. And in that regular gathering, we live out the present spiritual reality of the gathering of all Christians around the throne of God. And we not only uh, reflect that, we also anticipate together the future physical gathering of all God's people. We reflect the spiritual reality and anticipate the future physical reality. If you like, our local churches are concrete enactments of that spiritual reality and they are anticipations of that future physical reality. The local church is the place where the invisible cosmic truth about who we are in Christ, gathered by the Spirit around God, that invisible cosmic truth is lived out on a small scale. When we gather, we enact this invisible reality. Being uh, at church together every week, rich and poor, young and old, Australian and Malaysian, uh, or wherever we're from, our coming together in person under the Lordship of Jesus, gathered by the gospel, united by the Holy Spirit, that manifests God's glory in, in showing how God has gathered to himself in Jesus a people who are being built together into God's holy temple. Just being uh, at church every week 
uh, has cosmic significance. But that's not all. In addition to that, our gathering at church every week with God's people changes our identity. Let me explain what I mean by that. The really remarkable thing about the Greek political assembly and the Old Testament assembly and the New Testament church, the really remarkable things about all those gatherings is that in each case, the identity of the people is defined by the gathering and not the other way around. The people gathered before God at Sinai and their identity as his people gathered together before God to hear his word. That identity was not something that only existed in that moment uh, as they were gathered together, but it was an identity that they took with them wherever God placed them in their lives. They took that gathered identity into the places where God had scattered them. That is, their identity together in their assembly redefined them as people, as a people, not just as individuals. And they took that with them out into the world. And the same is true of the church. We tend to think of ourselves as a collection of individuals who every week just so happen to be in the same place at the same time. But the biblical view is quite the opposite. We are a gathering of people who just so happen to spend, the mo spend most of our time apart in the different places where God has put us. We saw a few weeks ago that the church is a collection of people built into a building. They are being built together to be God's holy temple. I don't know if you've ever visited the Sydney Opera House, but out, the outside of the Sydney Opera House, the sails, is made from over one million tiles. And if you uh, stand right up next to the Opera House tiles, they look actually pretty ordinary. Uh, they, they, in fact, they look a little bit dodgy. Uh, one or two tiles or even 10 or 30 or a few hundred tiles don't actually look that amazing uh, when you're just looking at the tiles. But if you stand back and see what they make up together, what you see is one of the greatest works of architecture that the world has ever seen. You don't look at the Sydney Opera House and think, wow, what a great collection of tiles. You look at the Sydney Opera House and you think, what a great building. That's because the tiles get their identity from the building and not the other way around. So much so that if you take a tile away from the building, if you steal it and take it home and put it in your bedroom, it loses its significance. Because its identity comes from being part of that great building, having been built together into that great building. And although that is deeply countercultural and even possibly offensive to us, the same is true of the church. Yes, our identity is ultimately defined by our relationship to Christ, but Christ is the cornerstone of a building. And Christ is the head of a body. As extraordinary as it sounds, our identity as Christians comes from our regular local gathering. In our context, at the branch, uh, that means our regular weekly congregation, whether that's 
the 10 a.m. congregation or the 4 p.m. congregation. Your primary identity uh, comes from the congregation that you meet with regularly and the people with whom you are being built together. Yes, organizationally, we're all part of the branch and we love each other and we work together and we have a shared leadership and we do things together like youth and growth groups and conferences and church barbecues. Uh, and that's right and wonderful and helpful and that's rich. But theologically and practically, your identity as a Christian is shaped by the gathering in which you meet regularly. That's because they are the people with whom you are being built together. And you can only be built together by being together. At the heart of the idea of the church is being gathered together and that gathering shapes us. And we take that identity out with us into the many different places where God has put us. And I think that if COVID has raised many questions about the church, the reason is simply because our individualistic society has already destroyed our biblical conception of what the church is. We think our identity comes from who we are as individuals. The Bible says that our identity is shaped by the church of Jesus Christ into which God is building us. So gathering together has this cosmic significance. Gathering together shapes our identity. But how do we gather? Uh, what are the mechanics of it? Well, the short answer is that the, in the New Testament, we see two key ways, I think, in which Christians gather. The first way that they gather is house to house. In Acts chapter 2, after the 3,000 people are converted on the day of Pentecost, we're told that those early Christians devoted themselves, not only meeting together in, in public in the temple courts to be taught by the apostles, they not only gathered there, but they also gathered house to house. And that same pattern continues throughout the book of Acts. We see people, people meeting in each other's homes in organic and sporadic ways. Uh, later churches, of course, developed in particular people's houses. Uh, so there would be a church that maybe met in that house or that house over there. But in addition to that, there's still this energy and devotion to meeting informally, frequently with each other uh, in uh, people's personal homes. And it's for that reason, really, that we've always tried to promote uh, as a church growth groups. Uh, they, they are, if you like, one of the ways that we've tried to uh, to have those smaller house-to-house -house gatherings. Our conviction has always been that in the context of a large gathering, there's only so much relational connection that can take place week after week. And so we've encouraged people to gather with others in smaller groups week in and week out. And for some people, those groups have become like little families. That's certainly true for the group that I'm part of. It's a really mixed bunch. We've got married couples. We've got people with kids and people without kids. We've got people from their 20s through to their 50s. But I think that for all of us, it's become kind of a little family. Uh, we really, really love each other deeply, even though some of us have only been in that group for less than a year. But it's not just growth groups in which we can be meeting house to house. Uh, some of us have discovered through COVID the rich 
benefits of organic house-to-house -house meeting with other people from the church. But not only have we discovered the rich benefits of meeting house-to-house, -house, we've discovered, if you like, the joy of meeting with a spiritual agenda. That's one of the benefits of growth groups is that you meet with a spiritual agenda. And people, I think, have discovered during COVID the joy of meeting in houses with a spiritual agenda. That is, in the past, we might have uh, had people over to our house for lunch or dinner or coffee or whatever it was, but we didn't sing together, we didn't pray together, we didn't read the word together. But COVID has brought about a situation where we do that and maybe even where we feel comfortable doing that. That is, what is precious about house-to-house -house meetings and what the New Testament models for us is not just hospitality, it's not just eating together and being in someone's house, but it's what you might call spiritual hospitality. It's gathering together in each other's homes around the Word of God. And if we're going to continue to be built together as a building for God's glory, then we need to find ways to be able to continue those rich lessons that we've learned through COVID of meeting together house to house around God's Word and around God. We need to find, to continue to find opportunities for spiritual hospitality. Now, a good way to do that might be to put that spiritual hospitality on the agenda when you invite someone over. You might say to them, I'd love to have you around for lunch or for dinner, and I'd love when you come for us to be able to read a bit of the Bible together, to maybe spend time praying for each other. Uh, maybe you could uh, watch a sermon together. Maybe you could even sing songs if you're musical people. Uh, maybe you could do it even if you're not really musical people. Yes, it's great to meet together in each other's homes. It's great to have fun, to watch movies and to play board games or whatever it is, but it is rich beyond imagining to be able to engage spiritually with people around God's word in each other's homes. So gathering together has this cosmic significance. It shapes our identity. It takes place from house to house. But the early church not only met house to house, they also met together. Uh, they met in Acts 2, we saw, in the, temples, in the temple courts to hear the apostles. Uh, they met in the lecture hall of Tyrannus in, in Ephesus in, in Acts chapter 19. Paul says to the elders in Ephesus that he taught them publicly and from house to house. The Christians met in synagogues. They met uh, all together in large homes like the home of Gaius from where Paul wrote the letter of Romans. And while it's true that Christians, as Christians, we gather in all kinds of different ways and at different times, it's also true that not all those gatherings are rightly called church. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 23, Paul writes about when the whole church comes together. Uh, that's not the whole church in the entire Mediterranean region as it existed at the time, but it's the whole of the Corinthian church to whom Paul was writing. Uh, they would all come together uh, at a particular time in church. In, in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 18, Paul talks about coming together in church or for church to celebrate the Lord's Supper. In other words, uh, there is an activity called church which involves not just a subset of the body, but the whole of the body. And it involves all of the body coming together. And in light of all that we've seen about the background of the term church, that makes sense. That is, 
the gathering of the gathering requires the whole gathering. Think about a family gathering, for example. A, a family gathering, for that to be a family gathering, it requires the whole family to be there. It's not a family gathering if you just meet with your dad or with your mum or with your brother or sister. It needs to be a gathering of the whole family. And so too, a gathering of, of the church requires the whole church. It requires the whole family, the whole body. And of course, that idea of needing the whole body makes sense as well in terms of the building imagery that we've seen as well. We can't be built together with the rest of the building unless we're seeing them and meeting them regularly. So we might meet in each other's homes and some of us have been doing that during COVID. You might be doing that right now. Uh, we might meet with other Christians from other churches and we might do lots of things with those Christians that we do at church, like reading the Bible and praying together and holding each other accountable. Uh, it might even be semi-regular or very regular. And those things, no doubt, are rich and have very many blessings and are wonderful experiences. But are they church? And the answer the New Testament gives is no. Church is when the whole body meets together. The whole body, the whole local family. The implication of that is that while many good things have come out of COVID, it also means that the church has not met. And although we have services going again at Innocent Street, the church has not met. Uh, at least that's true of the 10 a.m. congregation. The 10 a.m. congregation has not been able to meet all together. Because it's larger, uh, it's not able to do that. Uh, by God's grace, the 4 p.m. congregation has been able to do that. It has been able to meet in its entirety all together because it's less than the maximum number of people who are allowed. But the fact that some of us have not been able to meet all together as church, as a body, as a family, ought to be a source of deep sadness. Yes, we can gather in smaller groups, in homes, and at Innocent Street on Sunday. It's great that people are able uh, to do that. And some people from 10 a.m. can even join in the 4 p.m. congregation and be blessed by that as well. Those are all good things. And God can bring great good out of all of them. And he is doing that. But it's still inadequate because we all can't be together. The gathering of the church for church requires the gathering of the whole building, of the, of the whole building and body of Christ. So gathering has cosmic significance. It shapes our identity. It takes place house to house, but its most important aspect is when the whole church gathers as one body, as one building. But finally, I just want to think through with you briefly, what does the church do when it gathers? In the passage we read earlier from Acts chapter 2, we saw a number of things that the early Christians were doing. We saw that they devoted themselves to hearing the apostles teach about Christ. Uh, we saw they met together to, to pray. Throughout the New Testament, prayer is right at the heart of what the church does. And not just one or two people praying from the front, but the whole church joining together in prayer. That's one of the reasons why since COVID and since the series put 
praying together at the very heart of what we do when we gather at the branch on Sundays. The church must be a church which prays. That's one of the ways that we are built together, by which we call out to God together. The church in Acts chapter 2 also shared generously with each other. They praised God through songs, through prayer, through words about what God had done. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread is probably not the Lord's Supper. It's just eating together. It was a kind of term that was a simple term, everyday term that was used for people eating together in the first century. So the early church uh, were devoted to fellowship and to breaking bread. And although eating together doesn't seem particularly spiritual, it's a wonderful thing that we can do together because apart from the gospel, food is about the only other thing that we have in common. And not only that, eating together can be deeply formative uh, for our relationships. And as you read through the rest of the book of Acts and as you read through the New Testament, you find some of those same aspects uh, of what Christians do when they meet together. You find some of those same aspects occurring again, and you find other aspects of meeting together included as well. You find the church again being gathered to be taught in Acts. Uh, you find them gathering to fast and pray. You find them gathering to send missionaries. You find them gathering to hear reports from missionaries and to receive the ministry of missionaries. You find them gathering to hear the results of a theological dispute that was settled in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council. You find them gathering to exercise church discipline and to expel someone from their fellowship. You find them gathering as well to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So there are a variety of different elements of what the church does when it gathers. But maybe we can summarize it like this when we say that the what the church does when it gathers is to hear the message of the gospel, to pray to God on the basis of the gospel, to praise God for the gospel, to hear about the work of the gospel, to send people into gospel ministry, to remember the gospel in the Lord's Supper, and to apply the gospel to sin in the church. And the aim of all those activities is to bring people to maturity in the gospel of Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Paul writes in the Colossians, He is the one, Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. It really is stunningly simple what God calls the church to do when it gathers. It isn't rocket science. It's actually very simple. We like to complicate it, but actually what the church does when it gathers is very simple. The trick, I think, is for us to believe God when he says that that's what he wants us to do, and then to do it, and to persevere in doing it, and to believe that in doing it, God will bless us through it. So often we want to invent new things to do and new ways of doing them. We want to invent clever ceremonies or meaningful rituals because we hope that they will empower our spiritual lives, that they'll give us the kind of grunt that we need to keep going. But we don't actually believe God when he says we don't need to do all that. What we need to do is to hear God's words about Jesus, to believe them, to pray out of them, to praise God because of the truth in them, to apply them to our lives, to apply them 
to the church, to apply them to sin, to constantly bring them to, to mind and to remember them, to celebrate them. God says that's all that we need to do to be mature Christians and a mature church. Fundamental to the notion of the church and the people of God is gathering, gathering from house to house, gathering as a church, gathering to praise God, to hear God's good news about Jesus, to apply God's words to our lives, to pray and to be brought to maturity in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the church. What a wonderful gift it is, Lord, that we are not just individuals, but we have been saved through Christ into a, into a body, into a building which is being built together. And Lord, thank you so much uh, that we are already gathered in your presence now through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for that reality. And thank you that by your grace you have given us in the local church, in, in the church that we belong to, and in many other churches throughout Launceston and, and Tasmania and Australia and the world, uh, throughout all uh, those local churches, you have given to us a precious down payment uh, of the great reality that one day we will all be gathered physically. Christians throughout all time and throughout all places will be gathered together in your presence. And Lord, thank you that week by week we can... Uh, we can anticipate that, we can, uh, we can reenact that in our own local gatherings. Lord, we thank you for that. Help us to remember the great significance of what we do when we gather as your church. Lord, uh, we, we uh, pray too that you would help us to remember that the local church that we belong to uh, is a church that ought to shape who we are. Lord, we confess that so often... We uh, think of church as something that we opt into and opt out of as it's convenient for us. Lord, we think of ourselves as individuals. And so often the questions that we ask are things like, how can the church help me? Or, what can the church do for me? Uh, and Lord, we, we pray that you'd forgive us for that. And we pray that you'd help us to see your truth. That is, that in your great plan, you want our local gathering, our week-by-week -week, uh, gatherings to shape who we are, uh, that we might be built together here in Launceston, here in King's Meadows, that we might be built together as real people who know each other, who see each other, who meet together regularly, that we might be built together and so anticipate and display uh, your glory in the church worldwide your glory in the church throughout all time and places. Lord, help us to do that and to think that way, we ask it. And Lord, help us to take full advantage of all the ways that you call us to meet in each other's homes. Thank you for the richness that we've discovered in that through COVID. We pray that you might enable us to find creative ways of continuing to do that. Lord, we pray too uh, that we would also uh, meet together uh, as church, as the whole body. Lord, we grieve the fact that, uh, that for the 10 a.m. congregation, we've not been able to do that uh, for five months. And it may be a very long time still before we can do that. Lord, give us wisdom to know uh, what to do uh, and how to navigate that. 
But Lord, we pray that you might speed the day when we can meet again. We pray that in the meantime, that we wouldn't lose contact with each other uh, and that uh, we might still continue to be built together uh, in, uh, to the praise and glory of your name. And Lord, help us to, finally we ask it, to believe what you say about the simplicity and the ordinariness of what we do when we meet together. Thank you that simply by your word, simply by prayer, simply uh, by the act of gathering together, by the act of praising your name and reminding each other in song of the truths of the gospel. Thank you that in all those really quite simple and ordinary things, you promise to be powerfully at work through your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to believe that. Help us to believe in your great power operating through our weakness, our ordinariness, our simplicity. Lord, we pray that you would uh, do that, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.